All right, Next Level listeners, this is a new segment that we're going to be bringing to you weekly called Industry Headlines with Kevin and Fred. This is going to be the chance for us to talk about all the things going on in the industry, what's happening on the tech side of things, in the big brokerage disruption, brokerage moves, you name it. If it impacts our industry, we're going to talk about it. We had a lot of fun recording our first episode. A couple, you know, mishaps, which you'll probably be able to tell by the audio, and that will be bringing to you this live on YouTube weekly as well. So sit back, relax, enjoy Industry Headlines with Kevin and Fred. Hello and welcome, Kevin Kaufman, Fred Weaver, and welcome to our first installment of Industry Headlines. Yeah, we're, we're excited about this. So just a, an extra channel, if you will, to bring in uh, some different takes on the news, stuff that's going out there, it, going on in our industry. Uh, we thought we'd just share some insight on it and see how it goes. Yeah, so uh, one of the headlines that's jumped out to me, there's been sort of this ongoing dispute might be the politically correct term i think well politically correct yes but i think correct would be lawsuit okay there's a lawsuit going on now between coldwell banker uh part of the nrt and compass and there's a lot of bad blood going back and forth and uh there was a big headline that just came out last week that i think is going to continue to add to this fuel yeah so chris cortazzo the number one agent at uh at coldwell banker Mm -hmm. uh gosh i'm gonna say number three in the country Number one in all, I want to say number one in all of California, something like $554 million in sales in It was north of half a billion, I remember that. Like, think about that, was one year's worth. Uh, just jumped from Caldwell over to Compass, right? Yes. And actually the whole lawsuit is around recruiting tactics and things that are, are occurring because of this. Yep. So this is really big news. Like this is a big deal that $554 million worth of production just, just moved. got up and walked out the door and went over to Compass. Yeah, well, I think it's important. First of all, I want to say, uh, I think Ryan Gorman, the CEO of NRT, somebody we both know, uh, uh, took the high road and, and said, you know, Chris will always be a part of our family, and I, he's been a long-time Coldwell Banker agent. Imagine that. Um, he handled it that way gracefully on the way out. Huh? Yeah, and I, that's why I have lots of respect for Ryan and, and some of the people at, uh, at Realogy. Um, but, but, so I want to start with there. I also want to say, though, going a little further, that I believe the heart of the lawsuit is not just like you're you're recruiting our people. That's always gone on in our industry, right? I don't believe NRT and Realogy are, are crying wolf over people being recruited away from them. I think the heart of it is that they're they're alleging confidential information is being taken from the people they're recruiting and, and used in a less than a professional used, manner. Basically used back against them. So going and recruiting these very visible agents like uh, like Chris and uh, many others, and then getting information from them. Mm-hmm. Illegally and then using it against NRT and Cobalt Bankers. So that, I mean, obviously that's a big issue, man. I mean, for this to go to yeah. to a lawsuit, and it was a big lawsuit. Um, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. So anyway, stay tuned. I have a feeling that we have not heard the last uh, headline clip uh, here on Industry Headlines of those two companies. I think we'll probably be talking about them in future episodes to come. Yeah, something tells me we're definitely going to hear more about that. Well, let's move on to the next one. This one's kind of near and dear to my heart. I, it was really near and dear to your heart and your wallet right now, so please share more with us if you Wow, way to, way to just put that out there, Weaver. Thanks. Hey, why not? Um, so this has been near and dear to my heart for a while, but there's a lot of uh, speculation and uh, movement going on in D.C. around Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Yes. So what happened is... The last year's, uh, excuse me, last quarter's earnings were just released. Mm-hmm. There was something like a one point two or one point three billion dollar profit for the quarter from Freddie Mac, and it's like three point something from Freddie Fannie Mae. Yes. So think about that. They, were, they collectively now people think of these entities as like 
non-productive, losing money still, supported by the government entities. Mm -hmm. Yet in the second quarter, that's only three months, they combined made a profit of over $4 billion. And every bit of that dollar, those dollars went to the treasury in what is the, called a sweep. The, the United States government treasury. Yeah, okay, so, so if we're going back in time, somewhere along the lines, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were not doing as well as they were today. Yeah, so right? we're going back into our short sale foreclosure days of that's exactly 2006, 7, 8, probably more 8, 9, right? Yeah, so go back to about 11 years ago, and okay. government seized control of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and uh, essentially... Seized control, they deemed them unworthy of being able to operate on their own. Yep, and so they brought them into what they call conservatorship, right? Okay. So the government has conservatorship over them. Now, from I don't have all the exact numbers, but from what I told, it was around $190 billion total was invested from the Treasury into Fannie Mae. And bailed out? Could we use that bailed, term as yep, well? Bailed out. Okay. So there's a whole other conversation to go there, but let's just leave it at that. So far, now in the 11 years, they've been the Treasury's been repaid well over 300 billion that's with a b 300 billion dollars um and so now the argument here that's being made is why are these companies not back to being public entities not under conservatorship because they are they've been consistently turning a profit mm. and the u.s treasury just continues to take the money so I suppose one side of the argument from the government or somebody that wants to take this side would be, well, if you weren't strong enough to keep the company open without our help, then it's our opinion and jurisdiction to decide when we're going to let you have your own profits back and go back public, right? Like, hey, sure, you're making a profit now, but 10, 11 years ago you weren't and you wouldn't be here without us if it hadn't been for us. I'm guessing that's one side of the argument yeah. on why to keep it in conservatorship. Yeah, and the other side of it is, okay, now they've repaid $300 billion. Now, who knows, who's to say what amount was fair or what wasn't? But here's what I do know. They've, re they've repaid a lot of money. Now, if they just keep giving that money back, mm -hmm. when are they ever going to be stable enough to support themselves? Because as it stands right now, and I'm a big believer in they should live and die on their own. Right. Meaning, if they can't make it, we, you and I as taxpayers and you and you should not have to bail them out. Well, right. I think you and I had some strong feelings on this 10, 11 years ago when some of our favorite banks were getting bailout money, but homeowners were not, right? Yeah. And I get it. Yeah, there was homeowner you know, stuff, money that got put out there way too late in the game for many homeowners and way too many hoops to jump through. Uh, but but obviously the government came down and made a very clear decision. We're going to save big big bad banks. I'm going to call banks. them bad, right? And we're going to we're going to say sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Homer. That was that's the position they took. Yeah, which sucks. Which which, which I didn't agree with at the time. I, I don't know if I still do. I'm not here to say what our economy would look like if the government hadn't done that. I don't claim myself smart enough to be able to say that. I just don't like the position of hey, we'll save companies over people first. Yeah, me neither. I'm I'm always people first, companies uh, yeah. not not even second. But that aside, here we are now. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are standing on their own, creating profit, having nothing to do with the current aid of the government. That aid was right. more of a one time or, or short period of time thing, right? They're now on their own. They're now operating at high levels of profitability. And so there's a big push going on, right, to the government to release them from conservatorship. Yeah, and so, but in the, the like, you look at one of the other companies that was taken over, AIG. Now, that's been released. Okay. Um, there's, a, there's arguments out there this is illegal, and there are, in fact, there are some already some courts that have ruled in the favor that this is illegal, which is why this is starting to get forced into uh, the light right now. So uh, Mark Calabria, who is the new department, uh, department of HUD, 
and F A excuse me F H F A F F H whatever F H F A thank you the head of that um, he's he's been on record long before he ever got that position that these should absolutely be they should not be part of the government right okay. um, now he actually was wasn't a Fannie Fred, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac so this wasn't like hey the, we should give them back all their money it's that we should let them sink or swim on their own okay and so he's promised to come in and change this now it's yet to be changed there's a lot of speculation that there's a big um, announcement coming in the next 35 to 60 days okay. but we'll, we'll see if that happens but essentially this is actually illegal what the government's doing by just continuing to sweep this money and not let the company go back into being a publicly traded company yeah if you like the stock market and you like kind of watching uh, what's going on out, out there advice. this is not stock advice but just go check out and watch what's happened to Fannie Mae stock over the last year or two and Freddie Mac stock right yeah. Um, it's seen its its way above three dollars a share when it used to be in the pennies. It's found its way back down to the low two dollars a share. There's a lot of people out there speculating and hoping that it is released from conservatorship so they can cash in. Uh, um, there might be money. somebody I know that, that also is heavily invested and interested in what happens out there. But uh, it's just it's interesting. It's fun. It's fun to watch. Definitely not stock advice. We're not smart enough to give stock advice. That's for damn sure. um, but you could definitely go out there and, and check things out for yourself if this is of interest to you. Uh, if you were a part of the real estate market and the bank collapse of 10, 11, 12 years ago now, I think this means even more to you just watching this all play out. Yeah, if nothing else from the sport of it. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. Let's talk about the, another startup, right? Because what would a real estate news segment be without, without, a, startup without a startup? So let's talk about, in this case, Curbio. Curbio just raised $7 million to... Uh, in funding to kind of help them expand out. So let's tell everybody what, what Curbio is. Yeah, so I got asked by somebody recently if I knew what Curbio was, and I kind of said, you know, I feel like I've heard of it, but I don't know much. And then I was reading through some news headlines, right, educating myself in the last couple of days, and whoop, what do you know? There they are in the news again, right? Kevin raising more money. I think they just raised another $7 million, yeah. uh, taking their total capital raise over $13 million since they launched in 2017. Uh, so here's what Curbio is. It's essentially uh, a partnership with homeowners to help renovate and fix up your house yeah. so you can put it back on the market and sell your home for top dollar quickly, right? And, and so Curbio is partnering with real estate agents and homeowners to bring um, not only technology, but also the resources to be able to go into a house and get it fixed up quickly. One of the things they stand on, I believe, is getting houses fixed up. 60% faster is I think what, what they like to say, right? So sure, you might be able to go out on your own and hire a contractor, right, and try to do this on your own. You gotta figure out what you're gonna fix up. These guys have experience under their belt having done you know, many, 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 many Clearly, of these yeah. type of renovation projects. And so they're partnering with agents and homeowners to get houses fixed up. Part of their, part of their value prop, if you will, to the consumer is that, hey, we've got project management, we've got uh, selection, I mean, we know, we know what mm -hmm. parts to pick out to put into your home when it needs to be fixed up so that way we can maximize the profit on your home. So that is actually part of their, yep. their plea or their pitch, if you will. And I mean, to me, this is a, I actually really like this idea. Um, this is something that as, as real estate agents, we could be doing this on our own with our clients if we wanted. In fact, I know some people that are, yes. Yeah, there's no reason why we couldn't say, hey, listen, we know that if this home, let's just say as an example, had a $20,000 renovation, mm -hmm. we could probably see an extra $50,000 in sales price, right? Yep. And a lot of times, the owner of the home just doesn't have the money to do it. And so what if we had a win-win solution where we could lend them money, right? Maybe you put a second on the home, help them with the project management, and you put a, you know, you put the second on the home so you get paid off 
when it closes, and now they end up walking away with, say, I don't know, 20000 extra dollars when it's all said and done after you get paid back. Yeah. You still get your listing. To me, this could be another value proposition as a real estate agent we bring to the transaction. I mean, to me, this is a really great idea. It is a great idea. And what I love about what Kirby is doing is the homeowner doesn't actually have to pay them until closing. So yeah. Kirby is putting their money where their mouth is, if you will, and literally saying, hey, we're, we're not going to charge you anything until closing. So now I do believe you give up a lot of the control and rights as a homeowner as to what you would want in the house, right? So yep. if you're like... I don't like white kitchen cupboards. I think Kerbio is going to say, that's too bad. This is our money. We're driving this deal. We get to choose what, how we're going to renovate your house yeah. to maximize the price we're going to sell it for. This isn't a come in and pick and choose all your finishing touches on the house you're trying to get on the market and sold. Yeah, I'd love to maybe see a contract like that, see some of those details. Because, yeah. again, I do really think um, in concept this is a great idea. I think this has got some traction to it. Clearly, they've raised uh, thir over $13 million now. So my hunch is we're going to keep hearing about this company as well for some time yeah. to come. And something tells me if this continues to get traction, we'll see some others in the space come up as well. But yeah. It's just a hunch. Yeah, and I'll just finish with this. They're projecting that they're going to do over 1,000 projects in 2020 next year. So they're wow. in the hundreds right now, right? They're not at that That's massive scale. But they're in operating in D.C., uh, Maryland, Virginia, Baltimore, Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, Phoenix, and Orlando. Uh, with plans, I think also Philadelphia, New Jersey, and plans to go into Chicago, Tampa, Miami. So you're you're definitely seeing their footprint Those expand. Are the big boy markets, right? right? There. There's some big boy markets following in the footsteps of other uh, real estate technology companies that have come before them. So speaking of real estate technology companies, yeah, that's our last story of the day, buddy. Well, I think we gotta we gotta talk about Zillow. How could yeah. you like almost not have a real estate industry uh, you know headlines update without mentioning Zillow at least every other episode yeah. or so, right? So Zillow's been in the news a couple of times recently. Yeah. I want to talk. A little bit about their mortgage division that they announced they're launching, um, but also want to talk a little bit about the iBuyer model. So, where would you like to start? Yeah, so let's start. Let's start with the uh, mortgage division. So, he, rumors are spreading that they've said, "Hey, let's put the brakes on the mortgage thing." Um, yeah. I, I get it because they've got. I mean, the other thing we're talking about here is iBuyers. Like, there's a lot of rapid expansion yes. going on right now, right? I mean, they are they are moving fast. They're throwing gasoline on the fire, if you will. And moving yeah. quickly to catch up with the other uh, people in that space. And to be fair, because um, sometimes when you can read news articles, you can take a headline and kind of turn it out sure. of context. I don't think they're saying we're slowing down the mortgage piece because of iBuyers. Although no. they have a lot invested and a lot of focus and energy on that. Their current statement is that they're slowing down the mortgage piece because their software is not fully up and running and functional. Yeah. So they've sort of halted yeah. They've halted their hiring and everything else. Now, we can make guesses on what's going on behind the scenes, but that's the official public statement is it has to do with their software is not yet ready. Don't get me wrong. Zillow Home Loans is coming, right? Like, Oh, it's coming. We've, we've seen that. Like when they bought the, the mortgage company, I think that was last year, I was like, oh, yeah, of course, right? It's coming. Makes total sense. But here's the deal. The reason why they're, why software is behind the curtain, this is just me guessing here, because mm -hmm. that's all this is, just our opinions anyways. Right. So, um, Isn't that what news is anyway? There's yes. like nine sides to every story. Like if you have your resources over here on iBuyer, clearly uh, the iBuyer model is the priority of the company. Yes. That's very clear. Yes. They've, they've made that abundantly clear. That means there are less resources for other things, including home loans. Now, it doesn't mean, again, that home loans are going away or that it's just going to be put on eternal pause. Like, that's not the case. Trust me, Zillow Home Loans is coming. If I had to bet on it, I'd bet on it. Yep. Um, but it's, you know, iBuyer is their baby right now. Like, that's their deal. And I think it's because they're trying to catch up to Open Door and OfferPad and all the people that had a longer head start. And right. 
gosh, you and I have seen, we've seen the expansion that they've been rolling. Right. Well, so listen to these numbers, Kevin. Uh, in the first quarter of 2019, Zillow was losing an average of $3,268 per home that was going through their iBuyer program. Okay. okay? So three, about $3,200, right? In the end of the, the second quarter here, it's reported that they're losing an average of $2,916. Now that may not seem like a really big deal to you, but that's a 10 or 15% improvement on the amount of money they're losing. And I know some of the agents out there are gonna to listen to this right now are gonna say, these are dumb models, why would anybody do this? This is why you shouldn't sell to them. Well, if Zillow wants to lose money forever, but your client likes the convenience and the certainty of taking their offer, who are you to tell your client they shouldn't be working with Zillow? Yeah, like that's the number one thing is I get, I hear from agents, which is, well, they can't just keep losing money forever. They're not going to lose money forever, first of all. They have a path to profitability. Otherwise, they wouldn't have the billions of dollars invested into them that right. they have, right? Some really smart people who work for these companies. So it's not that they're going to lose money forever. They're not. They certainly will not. Um, but they can lose money for a long time. There's this little company called Amazon. They lost yeah, money for about 20 years or yeah, so. Yeah, there's a, a little track record out there of companies, right, who to get to scale and completely obliterate the rest of their competition are willing to lose money for a sustained period of time in order to own that market and then start turning a profit. Now, I'm not here to say you should run your real estate sales team that way or your mortgage office that way or your mom and pop business that way, but you're also not Zillow. Yeah. You right? Know, exactly. You're not a publicly traded company with with money coming out the wazoo that you can just invest wherever you want, right? I wonder how much money you have to have for it to be the wazoo. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, just, I don't know that saying. I can't wait to find out. I'm going to find out one day. I'll let you thing. know when money's coming out of my wazoo. I think wazoo. it's less than $3,200 at home at the wazoo. If you could spell wazoo bonus points for you. Is that like? I, is that I have no question? idea. Don't ask me. But anyway, I, right? I think I think the point here is that um, they're okay with losing money. So's Open Door. Um, so's Offer Pad. So's Offer Pad. They're all okay with losing money right now. They're trying to prove a consumer-driven model where the consumer looks at them in yes. a great light and says, "I really like what you're doing. That makes sense for me." And we've talked on other podcast episodes outside of this series we're doing about how it provides certainty and it provides what. Ease. Simplicity. Yeah. Ease, like, right? Like it just completely eliminates. Yeah. I completely eliminate. I don't have to worry about how many people are going to come through my home. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to get from my house. You tell me the exact dollar amount and I don't have to worry about anything else. Absolutely. So it's beautiful. Guys, I borrow bottles not going away. Um, we've talked about this. I, you know, we had an interview recently with Dan Noma, who's like probably Correct. the leading expert in the industry on the, on that. Leo Pereja has been on here. He's mm -hmm. also one of the experts in the industry on, on this subject. And, the reality is this just isn't going away anytime soon. Um, and so it's gonna be interesting. I personally believe like Zillow is gonna find a way. They have the number one consumer brand in all of real estate, in our industry. Yep. You know, and this is strictly my opinion. I just, but I believe they have the number one brand in our industry. They've got the most traffic mm -hmm. and they've got the most data. Yep. And like it is a household name. Now don't get me wrong, Open Door and OfferPad are starting to become household names in certain states. Um, and I think Zillow has a leg up on them from that standpoint. What Open Door and OfferPad have is they've got time and experience of actually doing these transactions. So this is a race, no doubt, and I'm excited to watch what happens over the next three to five years as these companies continue to yeah. grow their model just to see what happens. And if you're a homeowner out there, I think you're excited about new opportunities and new ways to yeah. sell your property with more ease and, and more certainty. And if you're a real estate agent out there, I think the question you have to keep asking yourself is, 
how do I position myself between the consumer and all these options to be the place that consumers, homeowners go for the information they need to sort out all the options going on in our market. Yeah. And if you're just a, a viewer, uh, then just sit back and watch because it's a fun show to watch if you ask me. Yeah, nothing else. It's, uh, it's disruption at its finest. Which is, I'm always a good fan. I love it. I love it. All right, guys. So you, that's it. That's the first edition, if you will, first episode of Industry Headlines. Is that what we call this? Industry Headlines? Industry Headlines. Is that going to stick? It's going to stick. Okay. All right. Kevin here taking a quick break because I want to personally invite you to NLA Live 2020. That's going to be next April 23rd through 25th, 2020 in Scottsdale, Arizona. That's right. We moved the event to Scottsdale, Arizona. We've got a great resort picked out for this event. You will not want to miss it. Head on over to nextlevelagents.com. That's nextlevelagents.com and click on the events tab for all of the info. We'll see you there next April. That's it for today's show. Do me a favor if you enjoy this, go over to iTunes or wherever you're listening at, leave us a review, share this episode with your friends, and for more great content, check us out in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash next level agents. That's facebook.com forward slash groups next level agents. See you soon.